welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. It's Farmer Friday on our show today. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us if you've got a picture, if you've got a soil test, a tissue test. We're happy to take a look at it. It's radio at agphd.com. Well, certainly a lot to talk about today. A lot of things happening out in fields. You think, oh, no, there isn't. It's getting towards the end of the season. I'm all done with my spray applications. Well, maybe, but maybe you're not. There, there are some things that are popping up out there. Uh, Brian, you're traveling around the area a little bit. What are you seeing out there? Well, yesterday I was all through western Minnesota, planes flying everywhere, lots of soybean aphids out there. Unfortunately, there are a few spider mites as well, so a lot of guys are running bifenthrin, which is good. It doesn't last long on spider mites because it doesn't kill the eggs. So like in our farm when we were spraying back in July, we were throwing zeal in to make sure that we got the spider mite eggs under control and left longer residual. But this late, bifenthrin is just fine. So that's probably what I'm I'm running with in corn or beans right now if I'm seeing spider mites. And like in soybeans, bifenthrin will kill aphids and spider mites and bean leaf beetles and grasshoppers and just about any other insect you're going to be facing out there. So that's what a lot of people are running with. In South Dakota, I've been driving around South Dakota today, not nearly as many aphid issues, but more are popping up. One that I wanted to get to that you're not going to spray for is gall midge and we've seen this gall midge larvae in soybeans for 10 years now probably and we just had a case yesterday within about 10 miles of our home farm where it wiped out some acres so i haven't seen this myself but darren you know more of the story than i do how many acres did the guy lose because it was a hundred percent yield loss yeah, it's quite a bit. And a lot of times with soybean gall midge, when it first starts hitting in an area, we just see it around the outside edges of the field. But the more years that, that it goes undiagnosed and untreated, it just spreads further and further into the field. The The grower in this case had a grass waterway and he had a pasture on the other side. There were areas of permanent grass. And the concern was, I think the adults must be hanging out in those permanent grass areas and then the flies move into the field from each side effectively taking almost all of the field <laughs> so not a good situation with soybean gall midge and here's the other thing it didn't just pop up this year this is something that's been building for years normally by the time we see things out in our fields the problem's been there for up to five years. So it's it's been a, a point where, well, maybe it started small, then it got just a little bit bigger, but now on a drought year, it's really become evident. And that's how the farmer found this, is he thought, I, I have a drought area out in my field. No, not a big surprise, it hasn't rained forever, but why is there a drought area in the best part of my field that has better water holding capacity? It shouldn't be droughted out over there. And sure enough, it was soybean gall midge larvae destroying his plants. So that, that can be a real concern. We're also seeing some late season disease things out there in soybeans too. We're seeing late season Phytophthora start to, to take hold in some fields. Also, northern stem canker up here in the northern part of the U.S. We're seeing that it looks a lot like Phytophthora, except instead of starting from the ground up, 
a lot of times you'll see a few inches of green stalk uh, at the bottom of the plant and stem canker could start on a petiole it could start on the stem itself further up on the plant and it looks a lot like phytophthora which phytophthora starts at the ground and it's kind of a chocolatey brown color coming up the stem and it eventually chokes the plant out and kills it and with phytophthora you'll see a random plant here and there dying out in your field right now same thing with soybean stem canker so yeah one of the things yeah what well, i was just going to say one of the other things that we're seeing too is a lot of areas where we are running into nutrient deficiencies. Now, there are a lot of causes for the nutrient deficiencies. It could have been poor drainage. It just flat out could have been drought and the plant's really suffering, can't get the nutrients in. But, I mean, we talk about potassium all the time. And the biggest reason why we talk so much more about it than a lot of other agronomists will is because of the dry area that we are in. Because you gotta keep in mind, Potassium goes into plants with water, and potassium is needed at a higher dose in corn plants than even nitrogen. Because you think about how many dollars you invest in nitrogen, well, all those pounds of nitrogen, guess what? Your plant needs way more potassium than it does even nitrogen. So if we're going to be a little short on moisture like we are a lot of times, and you know how much K you need, you got to have a tremendous concentration in the soil. So... You can walk out into fields right now in a lot of cases, and guys will say, oh, the corn is firing. Well, just take a look at those leaves. If you see yellowing up the outside edges of the lower leaves on the plant, that's potassium deficiency, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah, it's really important. Get out in your fields right now. When your plant is under stress, that's when it's going to show you the things that could have helped improve yield, improve stress tolerance, those types of things, whether it's a nutrient, whether it's disease tolerance, in insects, those types of things. Because we had a lot of growers this year saying, ah, I don't know if I want to invest any more dollars in my field. Maybe I would normally spray a fungicide and an insecticide at this time, but I'm not going to. And in some cases, those decisions have really backfired this year because we are seeing disease, we are seeing insects, even in areas that haven't been receiving enough moisture. And then, of course, the nutrient program, that's one of the things I'm excited for, Brian, in our farm. We, we're really trying to address all these nutrient issues. I know I was looking at some newer ground of ours that we haven't got everything built up quite yet in. And that's, just to your point, on the edges of the field where maybe the fertilizer application didn't get that first row in the field or something like that, seeing a little bit of that potassium deficiency. And it's something with our fertility program this fall we can really get after so next year things do even better. Well, it's Farmer Friday on our show today. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When nematode pressure mounts, seed-applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. 
control the toughest diseases with a dual-mode-of-action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com for hard-working control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. You can join the conversation by giving us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll start off down in Iowa. We've got Doug on with us right now, uh, checking fields, keeping things going. How you doing, Doug? Good. Doing good. All right. So what are your fields looking like? Are you guys catching some rain down there? Well, yeah, we caught... Uh couple inches uh there was some in the area that got way more than that but uh, it's all welcome that's for sure sure, because we was pretty dry you know you get rain in august or the end of july and you say man that's going to be great for my soybeans is it in time to help the corn i think so um you know i think it'll help on test weight i think it'll help on fill i and there was quite a range of planting dates so i I think it'll all be good. You know, you think about that range of planting dates, and a lot of times we say spread your risk out and don't put all your eggs in one basket, all those types of sayings. You're absolutely right on some of this. Hey, the weather's going to turn, and we've been dry early. Catch a little bit of rain later on. That could certainly help some of those those crops that have a little further to go. Oh, I I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's, uh, August rains will make grain, that's for sure. What about alfalfa over in your area? How's that been going? Have the has each cutting been pretty good? Or are you excited about the next one? Well, the first one was about twenty percent less than than normal. Uh, the second one, I would say, was real similar to being light. And uh, I had some new seeding that uh, I was a little worried about it, but uh, we just cut the oats and. The, whatever grew, you know, for hay. And uh, gosh, it looks really, really good. Awesome. Coming back nice. Yeah. Yeah, we seeded some new alfalfa last year right into the heart of that drought in our area. And mm-hmm. and it did okay. It, it looked a lot better than I was expecting. This year, it's really shined. I, I've been impressed with, even with a small amount of rainfall here, It's it's been pretty good. I Brian was yeah. telling me, I don't think it's going to challenge our corn for profitability, but it might this year. 
Well, you know, Haymarket's been pretty solid for the last year and year year and a half, you know. So, yeah, I think uh, there's there's a market out there. Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing as you're out in these fields, whether it's hay or, or corn, soybeans? Are you seeing bugs? Are you seeing disease issues? Anything you got to deal with yet? Uh, sprayed some fungicide, insecticide on the beans. Uh, and I guess one reason was we had uh, our second pass. I think it was so dry, our second pass of uh, chemical control wasn't very satisfactory and there's a lot of weeds coming back and so we decided to do a third shot and uh chemical company helped out a little bit on that but uh yeah it's uh oh we sprayed fungicide on the corn and that seems to help and i kind of got the weeds down on the beans now so yeah that's that's i i can't say that we've had major outbreaks of anything but uh just kind of doing preventative stuff to keep her yields there yeah absolutely and you, know, you think about just almost anywhere in iowa it seems like everybody's concerned about tar spot is there anything any anywhere close to you or how, how are you doing on the tar spot prevention i haven't heard of anything in this immediate area um, i'm sure there's some oh several counties away that you know it, it could be here but nobody's you know talk to agronomists and such and i guess i haven't heard anything yet so that's good no news is good yeah. news doug i'm all for that absolutely <laughs> i agree yeah awesome yeah. well yeah. hey hopefully you guys keep catching the rains here through august and close this thing out strong we really appreciate talking to you today oh you bet yep yep everything's looking uh, hopeful so excellent excellent that's great news from iowa how about down in oklahoma we got tom on with us right now tom how's it going well, it's hot. <laughs> yes, this summer has sh certainly been good for that. It is hot. But no, it's not too bad. We had a little moisture, got things in at a decent time. You know, last year it was wet and we were late and then it turned off hot and dry. And last year it just never seemed to catch up. But it's not not bad this year. We, we've watered the corn for the last time. We're still irrigating beans where we can. The dryland beans sure use the rain and a break from this heat grass is still green in most places hadn't turned brown so it's it's not terrible not yet yep. but we still got a lot of august ahead of us talk to me about that corn what what makes your decision up that we're going to quit watering at this point do you get to a certain growth stage or, or what are you looking for well usually when the milk line gets gets down 50% or below on row-watered corn, we cut it off. But we, University of Arkansas has a program. They have a DD50 for rice and I think DD60 for corn. And usually we plug in the plant date, the variety, and emergence date, and they'll send us a printout sheet. And it, you know, it gives you parameters for fungicide application and all that. And it, since we do it with rice, so we just naturally fell into the program with corn and if we were if we were running this is row watered corn if it was uh pivot irrigated corn we'd probably make another pass or two because we don't you know you just can't put out as much water with a pivot but the row watered corn it's it's got enough moisture i think it'll finish up pretty pretty decent of course it's had fungicide on it so it'll stay green a little bit longer but but i we usually start combining around Labor Day ish. Okay. 
Yeah, that's coming up quick. The corn, the corn actually looks decent this year for a change. Last year was hot; it just, it just didn't pollinate, but but it it looks pretty good this time. How about the soybeans? You said you're still doing some irrigation there. I, I would assume you still got flowers still filling pods. Yes, and then we so we'll we'll start out planting fours and then go to fives. We don't plant very many group sixes anymore even behind wheat so we'll we'll space soybean varieties out we'll kind of spread them out one just so you don't have to come behind them all the same day sometimes the early beans will tend to shatter worse hot and dry so we've got beans at every stage we've got some that are pretty much fully potted some that are still blooming and then of course the little wheat beans you know they're they're still growing they they lack they lack some time. Yeah, it does it does help a lot just having things spread out like that where you got different stages and uh, you don't have to do everything all at the exact same time. That's kind of nice too, I bet. Well, and the sad thing about most every bean that we've grown in this part of the world until the last few years, we started getting more and more group fours, you know, more indeterminates. Most of the fives and sixes, you know, they were just you had one shot, you know, they bloomed and they set pods all at the same time. And if it was hot and dry, it was just hot and dry. But, you know, the pastures, most all the pastures got fertilized and sprayed on time. So it, and, and for once we, we made a lot of hay this year. So that's a good thing. We're not in the worst shape yet, but now, you know, it can be 110 degrees here on Labor Day too. So you just you just don't know what the rest of the year is going to bring. That's what my kids would say too, Tom. They'd say, "Yep, we go back to school, and there's going to be at least a week, or maybe two weeks, of hot and hot and miserable." Mm-hmm. So it would not surprise me if that happened again. Yeah, we've seen that happen too many times up here too. Not 110. That that's crazy. But uh, 90s, maybe 100. That kind of thing can happen uh, late August here as well. Well, the good thing about this year, we've got a little bit of moisture and a little bit of moisture in the air. When we get in a prolonged drought, our country starts to get like the desert, and it just it just grows, and it, and and it just it takes it takes a major weather change to shake out of that. And you know, we can have like thirty or forty days of hundred degree heat, and man, that's just tough to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. And we don't cool off at night. You know, we're only 400 feet above sea level. So we're we're on the Arkansas River. Well, our night, you know, we don't get below 80 degrees at night. And and that's, that's tough. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's for sure. Get, that is a huge advantage a we've bit. got up here where we get to 60s at night. And by that time of year, maybe even upper 50s. That'd be fantastic. Hey, Tom, we got to run, but appreciate the call. Nice talking to you today. Stay tuned. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. 
Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot when it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitec fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitec. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitec. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitec fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Did you know 20% of stored corn is overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for as little as $2,100 per bin with the end zone for corn from FarmShop MFG. Learn more at FarmShopMFG.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio on a Farmer Friday. Taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Ohio. We've got Brett on with us right now. How's it going today, Brett? Excellent. We're having a good day. Uh, cooled down a little bit and uh, beautiful sky and we'll take this. We'll take a little bit more rain now whenever it wants to. Oh my goodness, yes. I, I love getting rain in August. It's rare, but when it comes, we sure enjoy it. Yes, we do. So what are the crops looking like out there? We're actually pretty blessed. We haven't, we've only been dry um, to where we, and corn wasn't rolled or anything, but we were dry there for a couple of weeks there in June. Um, but really, we've had adequate rains since then. Uh, corn and like I said, we planted late because it was wet for us early. And, uh, but boy, everything's taken off. Uh, corn's all uh, tasseled. Uh, beans are, are uh, filling. Uh, one thing we did see when we scouted last this week that uh, uh, beans are very, they're not real tall, but uh, they're potted or they're uh, jointed very short. 
So we got good hopes there. Yeah. There's there's a lot of lot of positives. I, I like this. This is fun, Brett, because I talk to growers yep. around us and they say, Oh, disaster, disaster, it's dry, it's dry. But you know what? We still look pretty good. There there are definitely spots out there that are not gonna do well, but there there's still spots out there that have a chance if we catch some rain. You know, the the yep. fear is that something comes along at the last minute like a tar spot or like a white mold in soybeans that that gets us. What what do you think about disease in your area, or are you more concerned with plant health at this time? Plant health, that's why we were out scouting. We actually started to spray some beans that were earlier planted uh, Monday, and we got to looking at it, and uh, we decided, well, maybe it's a tick too early because the beans were very still very clean, leaved. Uh, no bugs or anything else. I mean, you know, you got 5%, but that isn't going to bother anything now. Uh, so the beans were clean, so we quit. Uh, good, good, bad, or indifferent. We were going to wait for another two weeks before we started or watch, you know, because we can spray ourselves, so we'll watch uh, if there's anything that blows in. Sure, sure. Yeah, it does give a guy a, a lot of flexibility when you get your own application equipment. You can say, you know what, today's not a great day. We're not going to do it, or uh, it's not exactly the right time. I'm not trying to fill my schedule out. I can do it whenever I want to. So, yeah, maybe spraying a couple weeks later is is fine. How about corn? That's what uh, we things uh, here in the area. But our corn is not even quite to uh, brown silk. So uh, we're not going to pull the trigger on it until about a week after brown silk. Uh, okay. The, again, the leaves are clean. A uh, little bit of gray every once in a while, but it's, it's down in the canopy. But, uh, you know, pretty good solar panels on top. But uh, we're worried about protecting that uh, until the the uh for the health of the plant until it's completely made so that's why i guess we aren't going to pull a trigger until uh probably another week or so okay uh, your thoughts on that well i guess there's a lot of different ways to look at it i mean we can't really catch up once disease gets a foothold so if if things are clean that does give you a little flexibility uh, I don't think that's too late or anything when, when you're talking about spraying. And a lot of these fungicides are going to last two to three weeks. So it's going to buy you the rest of August and get you out to September with clean plants. So, yeah, I think if you're going to spray one time, that's as good as any. As long as you don't have any big outbreak uh, in the next you know, few days leading up to that. We haven't heard of any tar spot or anything in the area. I know there's a count of uh, one up to a lake and one in south uh, eastern or south southwestern Ohio, but where we haven't seen it, the agronomist that uh, we rely on, he said he really hasn't seen anything, and he covers between here and and Indiana, so that's what uh, what we're worried about because that's pretty much a take-all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. it's horrible. It's horrible. And, you know, the other thing with tar spot is it's usually infecting that plant a couple weeks before you really see it. So <laughs> yeah, you, you just don't know until it's too late sometimes with that one. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't have any issue with what you're doing. I, I think it's going to work out fine. I 
I guess if you're nervous, you could spread your risk and say, well, let's do a couple of fields now. That way we don't have so much to get over uh, later on, just in case we happen to be lucky enough to catch some rains during that time period and can't get it all done. Uh, The other thing in the meantime to watch out for is leaf wetness. If we get uh, days where we've got extended leaf wetness, like the dew comes in in the evening and hangs out all the way till mid-morning, those are the times where we could have a lot of disease spread. So if you're getting a lot of dew, then I'd say you might want to pull the trigger sooner rather than later. But uh, I guess it just all depends on what your goals are. Yeah. We have had uh, some fog in the morning, uh, heavy dews, but they're usually off by 9 o'clock. Um, but uh, no, we've had uh, pretty nice weather, actually. Excellent. Well, I don't want to jinx things, Brett. I hope that that. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that keeps on coming because that's awesome, and and I'm glad to hear that you got a good crop coming. So good good luck to you, Brett. Great talking to you today, and and good luck on the fungicides. You You bet. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Got Kendall on right now over in Indiana. Uh, I don't know if you're quite as lucky over there, are you, Kendall? You guys are a little drier than the guys in Ohio, aren't you? Unfortunately, we're a lot drier over here, especially in the north, the northern part. Uh, the southern part of Indiana has seen more rains, Kentucky through there, but up up in the northern part, well, it's been pretty dry all growing season. All right, so what does that mean then? Is is corn pushing along a lot faster than expected, or or where are you at? I think so. I mean, I'm I'm seeing corn today is you know it's 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 hurting, it's turning that kind of that gray color. Um, you can, the leaves are really pointy. Uh, just you know, in the 80s and and no rain, there's a there's a 50 percent chance of rain Sunday. We had our first one inch of rain this year about uh, two and a half weeks ago. We had an inch and a tenth, which was good timing. Uh, but we've done some tiling here, six seven foot down. It's just dry. You know how you'd normally dig a hole out in your field and then fill in with water. There's just nothing down there. So what a little bit of rain we're getting. It's all been utilized by the crops. Certainly no recharge or anything like that. Uh, corn is short as far as height's concerned. Um, you look out across the field when it's starting to pollinate, and it was pollinating um, really um, kind of erratically because some of the areas that were stressed, the tassels weren't out. Some of the areas in the lower ground, the tassels were out. I don't know that that's going to hurt yield as far as that's concerned, but it's, it's really going to make for kind of a, a variable harvest, I think, with the maturity of the crops. You sound like you're talking about our crop here in South Dakota. We we have the same way. When you said that gray appearance, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm all too familiar with that. Oh, my goodness. It's no fun. And, and you know, you mentioned short, and a lot of our corn is going for silage to, to a neighbor who has a dairy. And last year he said, your corn's two feet shorter in the same spots than when I harvested it the year before. And this year it kind of looks the same, if not worse, unfortunately. Yeah. I could believe that here. We've got some of the, the large dairies that feed into Fair Oaks are right in my neighborhood here. They haven't started any silage yet, but there's definitely the tonnage is going to be down just, just if nothing else, the height of the crop. And I, you know, I just don't think there's enough, as much moisture there in the plant as there was. Yeah. Now with fungicide applications, are guys still doing that? Are they still investing in the crop? Are they still worried about the plant health or what, what's been the approach there? They are. Actually, I went by our local airport this morning. There were four. It was about you know, 6.45. There were four spray planes sitting there. They hadn't started yet today, but the air's been full of spray planes and even a few helicopters. So the corn, the corn's pretty well done. I know our corn has, has all been sprayed. Um, we sprayed. We're spraying a little bit of a few beans this morning. Probably about half of our beans we'll put fungicide on. We normally don't 
fund put fungicide on all of them. It just kind of depends on the year. It certainly prolongs the harvest a little bit. Um, you you got to be kind of watch where you're going. If you want to put weed out after some soybeans, typically I will not put fungicide on those if the if the crop you know if the crop looks good, just because of the little bit later in maturity, so it kind of delays harvest a little bit. But yeah, guys, I mean we haven't given up on our crop for sure. It it's ama- it looks amazingly good for no moisture for the weather conditions we've had, which goes to show what you know, hybrids and, and our, our technology can do today and our and genetics rather in our, in our plants. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, same thing here. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Taking your calls and questions throughout the show today at 
44 Ag PhD. Brian had a question come in here from Matt over in Pennsylvania and wants to know about a little regulation. He said, I'm sorry, this isn't an agronomic question, but thought you guys might have an answer for me. I bought a grain dryer after I realized how much money we were losing by not drying our own grain. And it has been a pretty common practice for farmers just to sell stuff right out of the field here. I'm just wondering if I buy grain from my neighbors to resell at an ethanol plant, does that make me a grain dealer? And do I need a license to do that? Every state is going to be different. So you're going to have to check with your state. I do not know the rules in Pennsylvania. It is very likely that that is the case. You also, when you get that grain dealer's license, you would have to get a bond. So if you talk to your state people, they'd be able to answer that question. Now, in a lot of states, there's like a limit to it. So in other words, if you're just buying 3,000 bushels from one neighbor, all cash, you're probably going to be fine. But I don't know what that is in Pennsylvania. Okay. I had this question come in from Doug over in Illinois. He said, hey, guys, I've been using uh, the Ag PhD soil test app. Just wondering, I'm planning on switching over to the Verify app, and I've heard you guys are utilizing that on your farm now, too. Uh, I love the maps that the previous programs got. I'm just curious, could I roll data from one program over to the next? Yeah, you sure could, Doug. Uh, That's the nice thing about a lot of the electronic files now with many of the different apps that you use and and even with different types of equipment if you said hey i've got uh, case equipment and i'm switching to john deere or vice versa a lot of those things can be transported from one to the next so yep you definitely can do that uh i i would just say contact the people at verify and and work with them on moving data over uh brian one of the things i wanted to bring up though darren is a lot of people get all excited about having old data and using old data, but let's keep in mind, it's old data. So in other words, if you've got four-year-old soil tests and you aren't looking at how much did I remove in those four years, it's really hard to know exactly where you're sitting at now. The other thing is, let's say you're on five-acre grids, and let's say you switch now to one-acre or two-and-a-half-acre grids, your results are going to be different anyway. So I don't usually get too hung up on having old data, keeping old data, anything like that, but I know a lot of people do. So it just depends on what you're going to use it for. I'm just saying be careful. I agree with you too, Brian. I mean, if you said, do you have soil tests from your farm from five years ago? Absolutely we do. How much do you look at them? Never because it's old data that doesn't relate to anything today. Now, you could say, well, I could look at cation exchange capacity or I could look at you know, things like that that don't change much, but what good is that going to do me? I'm not really making recommendations off that. I want to see new soil test data. So I know what I'm doing. Now, if you're on a four-year program and you say, well, I'm two years into a four-year program here. So I got a couple of fields. I'm not going to be sampling for a couple of years. I get it. I understand. Hey, that's the, the closest data that you've got to now. And you're probably figuring some crop removal rates and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I get it. So if you if you need to move data, uh, you certainly can. Just need to talk to the people with the new program. Uh, hey, we had an interesting question uh, just a little bit earlier from um, from one of our guests here on Farmer Friday, who said, "I'm I'm wondering how late is too late to spray a fungicide in corn, and if I wait till a week after black layer, uh, which in his case was coming up in about another week." 
Will that treatment carry him through August? Uh, and if he sprayed now, would he wait, still wait, need to wait, do wait, another wait. Stop, treatment? Stop, stop, So, So black layer, that's mature corn. I'm sorry, brown You're silk. You're saying after brown, mature no, corn? No, brown silk. Okay. Sorry, my bad, like, my bad. What? Okay, so a week after brown silk, yes, that's still early enough where you can treat. But anyway, go ahead, sorry. Well, he was just wondering, should he treat now? And if he did, would he have to come back and do another application later in the season or if he waited that week, would that get him through the end of the season? So he was just kind of debating, and he had decided, I'm going to wait, and I'm just going to wait another week, then start the treatment because they hadn't seen any tar spot anywhere as close to him yet. <laughs> You're gambling. I'm, I, don't like, I don't like gambling. Uh, I'd rather be on the early side than on the late side every single time with fungicide. But he may be right. It's possible. I just want protection. It, it, let's put it this way. If I'm in an area that is subject to having tar spot, so there are a lot of places where they've had all kinds of tar spot, it's dramatically hurt yield, and it's the worst disease you can have in corn is what most everybody has said has gotten it. We're talking 60, 80, 100 bushel yield loss. Okay, so if I'm worried about any of that and I got good yield potential out there, why am I taking a chance? I, I mean, I'm spraying now. And that's going to protect me for two to three weeks. But by the time we get two to three weeks from now, we're almost at the end of August. Am I that worried about something that shows up in my plant at the end of August? No. So I, I would do it the other way. I would spray right now, and I'd have it over with. That's what I'd do. And it's good that nobody's seen tar spot. But here's the problem. By the time you see it, um, it has already hurt yield a lot, and it already got into your plant weeks ago so i just i i don't i wouldn't take the chance if if the guy's committed to spending the money anyway and spraying anyway just do it now it's late enough now that i i'd be pulling the trigger so that's what i do well the other thing that was a little concerning to me is he said they'd had some fog in the mornings and they had a pretty heavy dew and if you're getting heavy dew and you're getting some fog those are conditions that could lead to disease infection, and you don't often see those right away. But, yeah, it's it's tough to know exactly what the right timing is going to be, and if you're trying to do just one application, it's really tough to, to time that thing right. And in my mind, I, I would get started spraying, and then that way you kind of spread your risk out where, hey, some fields got done now, some fields it's going to be a week before you get to them, so you've already spread your risk out just a little bit that way too. Yep. The other question that, that came up was in regards to some of the stuff you were talking about with insects earlier. And one of the questions was soybean aphids. Isn't it hot enough that aphid populations aren't going no. to explode on us this year? No. The ideal temperature for soybean aphids is 77 degrees. So if we have an average temperature during the day of 77 degrees, soybean aphids have been shown to more than double in population in a single day. So if, let's say, I'm 65 at night, I'm 87 in the daytime, or let, let, me, let me change that around, 89 in the daytime, 65 at night, what's my average temperature? 77 degrees. And that's just about exactly what we've got, it looks like. Uh, or I mean, for this week, that was kind of the average for much of the Midwest. 
65, 89, that's 77 degrees. So sure, if it had been 110. So I, I just looked at the forecast for some reason in Dallas, Texas. This week it was 105, and they're talking 105 all next week. So yes, if it's 105 where you're at, then soybean aphid population shouldn't be something I would worry about tremendously. But if you're only hitting into the low 90s or something like that, I don't be thinking that heat is going to solve your problem. No, it's kind of the same thing with spider mites that, well, yeah, yeah, there's spider mites on my crop, but it looks like it might rain here in the next few days. Is a good hard rain going to knock some of those spider mites off? I'm sure it probably will. But is it going to knock them sure, out 100%? Uh, I highly doubt it. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's possible anything can happen. And here's the other thing that a lot of people will say about both mites and aphids. Well, the beneficials will clean them up. Well, sure they will. But in the meantime, they're going to damage your crop a whole bunch. So, I mean, I'm not going to let my crop lose five or ten bushels. Well, the beneficials are slowly taking care of the predator. No way. All right. Just clean, just get them under control. Yep, I agree. All right. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be back taking more of your calls and agronomic questions right after this. Stay tuned. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experienced the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. 360 Yield Saver pays back fast. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. For a 12-row corn head, harvesting 2,000 acres of corn, you'd spend $7,200 on the Yield Savers. Those replacement gathering chains cut header loss by 80%. With today's corn prices, the grain you save will pay for the investment of 360 Yield Saver in less than 600 acres. This crop is too valuable to leave bushels in the field due to header loss. Put that extra grain back in your tank with 360 Yield Saver. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm. 
but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD for your agronomic questions. Got Tony on with us right now down in Missouri. He wants to talk a little bit about pasture weeds. Tony, how you doing? Doing good. All right. What can we do for you? Oh, okay. I uh, have some multiflora rose problem on a, some pasture I rent. And I uh, didn't want to spray it any earlier because we was in such a drought that uh, nothing was hardly growing. Last time I talked to you and Brian, it was pretty bad here. I sent you pictures how the ground was cracked, and now we've had 13 inches of rain since then. Oh, my so, goodness. Well, that's what that's what you need to do, Tony. If we can help you get out of a drought, we would love to. Oh, it helped, for sure. <laughs> I had five inches just so far in August, two inches today. So it just won't quit but i'm not complaining a bit but i wanted to spray some pasture with chaparral it seems like it dings the clover and lespedeza less am i thinking right or not i'm, I'm after multiflora roses okay uh so in the pasture you have desirable clovers as well is what you're saying yes that does make it a little bit more tricky, uh, and you say it dings it less than it's just using. Incredibly it. tricky. There's, there, there. I don't know what you're going to spray and not kill the clover, because everything I can think of off the top of my head that's going to kill that rose is going to at least ding up your clover. So it's not. It, it, it is. Is this a rose in just in areas in the pasture, or is it all over the place? It's all over. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. So, yeah, a lot of times when we're talking little shrubs, we talk about products like Chaparral that's good. A lot of people try to get by with just 2,4-D, and that's not terrible. Um, it's just you got to run with a pretty strong rate. Some guys go with Dicamba or Distinct. So there are a number of products that are going to ding up that rose, but every single one of them is, it might not, they might not completely kill your clover, but there's not going to be much left of it by the time you're done. What if, okay. Let me ask you this, though. What have you sprayed in your pasture before that's killed any weeds and hasn't killed the clover? It seemed like I have good luck with the chaparral. And that's left it, the clover alone? Yeah, it's it's back every spring. There you go. But, well. <laughs> but, okay. but, but I have took that manure, the soil, put in garden pots, and the wife's like, what's wrong with that tomato? Uh, chaparral, I would bet. Yes. <laughs> you know, yep. So sure. it, does have some, it does have some good residual, but it doesn't seem 
I mean, I'm killing Prilament and Smartweed and things like that and some other pastures, not the rose bushes, and it doesn't seem to affect the, the clover like like the 2,4-D and things like that. So it was just a question I had. Yeah. Uh, sure. Well, I would keep doing what you're doing then, Tony, if that's working for you and, and leaving the desirable species alone. I guess I don't have a better recommendation for you than that. It, it just it, it kind of lists that, but I wasn't sure if I was reading it right or not. You know, does it, it's it's uh, it's a good product, you know, but uh, it's all on maybe the strength you're using too. Exactly, know? exactly. If you're up to that three point three ounces per acre rate, I'm betting it's going to be scorched earth out there for for anything that's not grass. But a guy can do a lot with two or two and a half ounces of chaparral. And that's what I was thinking more on the lower side to, to hopefully I just don't make the rose bushes mad and I kill them. But uh, I, I, like I said, with the year we've had, I hate to kill any desirables right now. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you for that. Well, good luck to you, Tony. Glad to hear you guys have gotten some rain uh, since the last time we talked, and hopefully good weather continues for you. All right, thank you. You bet. Brian had a... Uh, kind of a tough question. This one came in from Ted down in Alabama. And Ted said, I've got an invasive bunch grass uh, that's a perennial. It's called smut grass, uh, originally from Asia. He's got it out in pasture and uh, in Bahia grass. And just looking up smut grass, I, I know University of Florida has done a bunch of work on it. So I would recommend, Ted, you check out uh, the information from University of Florida if you haven't gotten anything out of Auburn or, or anyone else in Alabama. But uh, at this point, it's pretty unpalatable to livestock, so generally it doesn't get grazed off. The best luck they've had is either using a wick and running Roundup through a wick and just brushing it as it gets tall. Uh, brush it both ways would be my suggestion, and you could do a pretty nice job with Roundup without killing everything else out there that you like. Uh, but the herbicide that they've used is Velpar. And, Brian, you've got a little experience with Velpar. You can certainly add in if you want to. It's expensive, but a quart of Velpar is working pretty nicely on smut grass, but it's killing it through root uptake. And so they recommend putting it out there uh, between June and September and then either catching rain or watering it in with irrigation within a week. They say if you get water on it within a week and it gets down in the root system, it does pretty good. Uh, if you don't get rain or irrigation in that first week, a lot of times that Velpar just disappears and doesn't do anything for you. Uh, any other things you'd think about with Velpar, Brian, that might be a good indication here on how to use it? Well, I I just remember we talked a little about smut grass a couple years ago, and I don't remember exactly what that was because we don't deal with it where we farm at all no it's a so tropical I do a little research on that yeah, yeah. it's, it's yep, a tropical yep yep but anyway I, I i just say if rain is the big factor then what does that tell you that means timing is pretty much everything you got to do the best you can try to time it right before that rain is going to hit and it's it's hard so, so Sometimes, just like on our farm this spring where we had, oh, 100% chance of rain, and guess what? It still didn't rain. So that's, that, that, that is kind of the trick. But, yeah, with any of those invasive grasses, 
it's just really challenging when you're in a deal for you. Hopefully it'll turn out good. And then moving forward, we talk about this all the time whenever it's killing a grass in a pasture grass. Try everything you can to fertilize well. Make sure you have everything that that grass crop needs to do well so it can choke out future grass weeds that may come. And then just don't overgraze or cut it too low. I mean, honestly, it's even like in a lawn. This is part of why we are big fans of leaving the lawn longer rather than cutting the lawn way shorter. You'll have thicker, better grass, and then it chokes out the weeds better. All right. Thanks for the question, Ted. Uh, I got this one that came in from Trent down in Missouri. He said, hey, guys, great field day this year. A little bit warm, but I'm kind of used to that uh, at this point in the summer. He said, I heard one of the speakers in one of your speaking tents talking about using higher soybean planting populations to improve weed control, but I didn't hear a number as to what that really means. How many thousand seeds per acre would you be putting out to be a high enough population to really help? Do you guys have a number that you use on your farm or do you know what number I should use here in Missouri? More is always better. So we used to drill soybeans at 250,000 seeds per acre, had way better weed control. Today, a lot of people are planting 140,000 seeds per acre. One of my things lately has been, I'd just say 30,000 more than whatever you're planting today. That way you're not spending a fortune. And think about it this way, that might cost you, let's call it eight or $10 an acre. Okay, if, even if it costs $10 an acre, What's an extra pass with the sprayer and another herbicide cost? Or even for that matter, what's another adding another residual herbicide cost? I mean, it's probably going to be that or more. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of upping the population for better weed control and also upping the population for iron deficiency chlorosis. So there are some trials that were done this year in Minnesota. I was just talking to an agronomist from Minnesota about this yesterday where they double planted in IDC areas. He said night and day difference. So it all depends on what you're after, what you're trying to do, and what you're currently seeding at. But yes, increasing populations absolutely can give you better weed control and better iron deficiency chlorosis tolerance. Yeah, if you do some trial work on your farm and try some different populations out, don't just wait until harvest and look at yield. Get out there during the season. See which one closes the row fastest and how many days faster. And then get down underneath that canopy and see how much daylight is hitting the ground. You'll notice a difference when you get a little thicker stand out in the field. Hey, thanks for the question. Thanks for coming to the field day, too. Really appreciate that. Well, that's it for our Farmer Friday show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.